you went online to switch your car insurance to Progressive so you could save money. But then you saw a friend request from an old summer camp buddy. And now here you are, clicking through photos of his kickball team from 2011. Oh, looks like they won the championship that year. Then he moved to Tulsa. Oh, a new tattoo. Yes, they said it was easy to save hundreds on car insurance with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National Average Savings by New Customer Surveyed Who Saved in 2019. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. My name is Mithila. Hi guys, welcome back. My name is Kunal. And guys, Formula One action has resumed this week. So Mercedes had their private test in a two-year-old car. And next week, the pink Mercedes, as we call it, will have a day-long test at Silverstone. Yes, Lance Stroll is going to have a go. And in case you guys didn't know, it's a filming day test. So Lance Stroll will get like 18 laps around Silverstone because that's what the rules, you know, around a filming day test say that you can only test 100 kilometers per day. Yeah, but Kunal, I think it's understandable that Racing Point will be doing a test next week. Because it's Racing Point or because it's Lance Stroll? (laughs) I think it's Lance Stroll. Is that what you mean? Well, it's not what I meant. Uh, It's probably because they realized, okay, Mercedes has tested. So we need to go ahead and test as well. Okay, now I get it. You meant now that. Now you get it, yeah. Mercedes, pink Mercedes, the silver Mercedes is ran, so the pink Mercedes is also needed to run. But thank you so much, yes. And, uh, but from the Mercedes test, you know, the most interesting part for me was Valtteri Bottas confirming that Mercedes aren't looking at Sebastian Vettel for 2021. I know, right? For me, it was so annoying. It was like, whoa, Valtteri, you party pooper, you. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who was quite annoyed because I'm sure Chase Carey himself would have been annoyed, you know, with this whole anticlimactic end to this uh, Vettel possibly going to Mercedes conversation. Yeah, you could say Valtteri Bottas was out of line while trying to be in line, you know, <laughs> with the whole conversation because... You know, Formula One has used uh, driver movements to uh, keep fans engaged in this long off-season, right? And then, of course, we had Toto Wolff claim that Sebastian Vettel being available cannot be ignored. But that's that. Uh, But, Kunal, speaking of Valtteri Bottas, that is not all that we have to talk about. Valtteri Bottas has been a party pooper on track, and I understand that bit, you know. He is doing his best... That's uh, a little su- harsh, but okay. Yeah, yes. he's doing his best to survive in a team that's centered around Lewis Hamilton and all of that. But I think he could have let this whole Vettel to Mercedes story float about for a little longer and then just let the official channels do the talking. Well, you know, one of the reasons Botas uh, chose to clarify this claim was actually for his own good. Because, you know, it's in his best interest to keep all these Mercedes to choose uh, Vettel over Botas stories at bay, you know. Uh, He needs all the positivity he can in 2020 because this is probably his only chance to beat Lewis Hamilton if that at all can happen. Yeah, I mean, I get all of that. I just don't understand why you can't let me have my fun, you know. First Valtteri Bottas and now you, I don't understand. But you know what, Kunal, I'm going to put it this way. 
Mercedes, they weren't going to confirm their drivers for 2021 anytime soon. So why not just let the suspense continue? You are thinking like Chase Carey. I'm pretty sure he yeah. was also wondering, you know, he would have probably he would have been spit like, out why? his drink and be like, oh my God, did my, mo- like, did the biggest ace of my communication suspense go away? You yeah. Know? And I understand what you say that Botas needed to know for himself, but he needs to understand we didn't need to know. <laughs> You're, you're crazy and I'm... I'm I am. <laughs> I get your point of view, but I'll tell you what else is crazy. Mika Hakkinen's immense belief that Valtteri Bottas is talent to be the world champion, right? He's been saying this since the day Bottas joined Formula One and then has been saying it four times a day maybe since Bottas joined Mercedes. And in fact, he said this on our podcast, you know, when he was here as a guest a few years ago. So... Honestly, you know, given all the rumors uh, around uh, Mercedes' second seat, 2020 could be Bottas' last chance to win a world title because I get this feeling that, you know, Mercedes will go for a younger driver come 2021. Yeah, and you know, Kunal, I'm going to put it in a very zingy manner. Contender or pretender? That's what Bottas needs to decide for 2020. How poetic. I know, right? And, you know, personally, I would love to see him win because it would be such a huge slap in the face if... Everyone who thinks that, you know, only Hamilton and Verstappen and Leclerc are the serious title contenders for 2020. Absolutely. I think it would be an unexpected and, dare I say, an unpopular result in every way. Uh, You know, the last time somebody beat Hamilton, he was probably the most hated driver, you know, in the world, in in the Formula 1 paddock, right? But I would love to see Bottas win, right? And... uh, You know, interestingly, everyone has been talking about rust uh, and, you know, they've been raking up miles in whatever machines they can get their hands on. Uh, Valtteri Bottas has been karting or rallying ever since the Australian Grand Prix got cancelled. And this is what he himself has claimed, right? So let's hope that this uh, gets him a jump start into 2020. And I don't mean a jump start literally in motorsport terms. I just mean that... (laughs) You know, given the whole cramped season, he he has a head start. Yeah. Gunal, you know what? We've literally just finished one entire segment uh, before telling our listeners what's in store for them this week on our podcast. So, Go for it. Yes, guys, we'll update you about the 2020 calendar. You know, it's like no one cares about the cancelled or postponed races. We just want to know what race will be race number 9 and 10 and so forth. We'll also bring you up to speed about who's testing what before the start of the fresh season. And we'll be talking power units because there's noise about the 2026 Formula 1 regulation. I cannot think that far. (laughs) Anyway, there's also bits and pieces of updates coming in on Formula 1's marketing around Ferrari's 1000th race. Uh, Vettel not agreeing for a pay cut from Ferrari. And how finally uh, the team's reserve drivers might get some spotlight in Formula 1. Yes, I would love to, you know, just say it out there. Vettel not taking a pay cut from Ferrari is his personal choice. And instead, he has decided that he's going to contribute it to a charity of his choice. At least that's what the reports say, right? But guys, we've also got an important announcement. It's not, you know, a a donation to charity, if I may be honest with you guys. Uh, It is uh, about the fact that, uh, you know, we've launched a video channel. It's called Pits to Podium. And we're going to share some of our video content on the Inside Line F1 podcast as well. Of course, it is going to be in audio for y'all, but uh, yeah, you will fact, you will hear that content, uh, you know, in the next few days. Yeah, I think Kunal, to keep it simple, we should just mark out those episodes specifically so our listeners know which ones are, you know, the original Inside Line Formula One podcast episodes. Yes. 
Let's get started. Finally, wow. Second segment, what do we have? I'm going to talk about the 2020 Formula 1 season because, you know, there's like two seasons running in parallel. The original calendar and everyone's just like, okay, which is the next race going to get cancelled? Which is the next race going to get postponed? And then there is the revised calendar where everyone's, you know, like we said, which is race number 9, 10, 11, 12 and, you know, Formula 1 still wanting to host 15, 18 races in the year. So news are just in that Azerbaijan, Japan and Singapore have been cancelled for 2020. And guys, my honest approach is, for me, all races of the original 2020 calendar have been cancelled. And I'm now only looking forward to the revised calendar as Formula One keeps announcing it. Yeah, me too, in fact. And you know, we've said this before. I think permanent circuits have an advantage over street circuits. Like, I don't think personally we're going to have a street race in 2020 at all, you know? I think so too. Monaco, Azerbaijan, Singapore, all of them off. Yes, and uh, Japan is not a street circuit, but guys, it has been cancelled for immigration reasons. Yes, it is way far away in October, but you know, the MotoGP round uh, in Japan, which was actually a, a week after Formula One, that got cancelled several weeks ago. So this was in the offing as well. Yeah. By the way, uh, Mugello, it seems like uh, they've selected Formula One over MotoGP, like a lot of our listeners have as well. <laughs> Yeah, so they're mostly in line to host a race later on in the year. And in fact, Formula One's been using this opportunity to have Mugello host Ferrari's 1000th race. So that's pretty historic. And I think it's a great marketing idea. Um, I mean, they do everything they can to have fans attend the races if possible. But yes. if not, it's okay. But fans aside, Formula One aside, I think let's pause for a moment to appreciate that this is Ferrari's 1000th Grand Prix entry. And I think... Those numbers are pretty phenomenal. It's pretty historic. It's brand with a crazy legacy and history. And coincidentally, I'm you know reading a book on Enzo Ferrari by uh, Brooke Yates, and uh, I absolutely recommend that you know all Formula One fans read it, even even if you're not a fan of Ferrari, because it sort of makes you relive the legend and how it got formed. And uh, the history is pretty fascinating, you know, right from being uh, Alfa Romeo's unofficial racing department to making military equipment uh, during the World War II, uh, you know, and then finally making great uh, sports cars, you know. So I would definitely recommend reading it. I literally get goosebumps flipping through the pages every now and then. Yeah, Kunal, thank you for the recommendation. I'm going to read it soon and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are also going to take that cue. And just so you guys know, I'm not done yet. Ferrari have been taking a beating from Mercedes since the earliest days of motorsport. That's enough history for you guys to know. Ouch. How can I say ouch anymore? (laughs) But you know, Kunal, uh, I was a little bit surprised to see Mugello cancel a scheduled MotoGP round to host a Formula One race. I mean, that is some sort of indication, right? About, you know, which series is more important and just more influential. Sounds so so weird if you're MotoGP, you know, it's like Miguel has been hosting a MotoGP race ever since and suddenly they're like, no, we're getting a chance to host a Formula One race at no cost without paying race hosting fees. Thank you, MotoGP. We're going to have Formula thanks One. Thanks for no thanks. <laughs> yes. And of course, you know, Mugello is a Ferrari-owned circuit. So their priorities are pretty clear to celebrate the team's uh, thousandth race, right? And for all their rigidity, you know, Ferrari will be a participating team and a race host in 2020, right? That's pretty unique. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, you know, from all these new venues that may host uh, races in 2020, 
which ones might actually stay on as regular venues once normalcy resumes. I mean, I know the calendar's capped to 25 races, but which 25? You know, so when I'm not working in Formula 1, I'm a marketing technology guy. And the one big question we always have is this whole new versus returning visitors, you know, when you run website analytics and this just reminds me of that. You got a new visitor, what is it going to take for, you know, him or her to become a returning visitor? But anyway, technology and, you know, Google Analytics aside, uh i'm just glad that formula 1 has all these circuits uh you know that they can juggle with uh to host races in the special season of 2020 as we know it and it's it's in fact a privilege you know for formula 1 there's also news that russia and china are ready to host double header races in the second half of this season yeah i was amazed kunal because you know this whole news about china possibly hosting a grand prix or two it's absolutely ironic because that's where the whole pandemic started from right Shh, yeah but they don't want you to know that i'm not going to feed into <laughs> this whole uh, global anti china rhetoric right now i'm just going to stick to formula 1 because that's what we do on this podcast and uh, toto wolf said that abu dhabi and bahrain might be added to the end of the season well a few of these circuits might hold double header races just so that we get to that 15 18 you know race number that formula 1 has in mind so let's see what we get at the end of the season it's so crazy we're going to start the season not knowing if more races could be added and that could actually be the reality that is really exciting and in fact guys you know we've discussed some really interesting experiments for formula 1 to try and run in 2020 especially for the second race of the same circuit and for in between those races that's what i'm also proposing you know run a race on wednesday i've been screaming at the top of my lungs every time this topic comes up yeah and so guys you all should really tune in it's our previous episode it's also very interesting and kunal i would say that is the beauty of 2020 uh like this is our 22nd episode this year and i think pretty much every single previous episode is still as valid as possible Silver lining in the dark cloud of the 2020 Formula 1 season. The shelf life of 22 episodes into 30 minutes is still valid and that's not pretty bad I'd say. Yeah. Oh uh, by the way, uh you know speaking of experiments, I think the one circuit experiment that we should really talk about is how these circuits are trying to fill up the empty stands. Um so we've discussed this South Africa has had play dolls and soft toys to replace the missing fans you mean south korea but yes i understand yes, why you meant south I meant. africa <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> or i don't actually but. i was just distracted by the uh, joke i was going to crack after while i was thinking of this which is because kunal they got play dolls and soft toys so it's like they're swinging wildly between adult toys and kids toys <laughs> i don't know which part is funnier is it the adult toys or the kids toys but I don't think a play doll excites you so we're just going to move on from that but uh, yes I think personally it's a little odd you know and it's a waste of time trying to fill up uh, the stands so if the circuit owners are listening guys just give it a break I don't think you guys should spend any money or time doing that I mean uh, the way I see it you know it'll always be remembered in the history of formula 1 that there were no fans in the first eight races of 2020 at least the first eight races right so let's live with that reality then go ahead and make a joke out of ourselves yeah by the way silverstone is uh, they're considering cardboard cutouts in the stands and you know my thought was like wow thank you for ruining the environment even more like even more what a yeah. waste of cardboard and it's just when the environment is sort of trying to fight back yeah. you're like hey screw you i'm going to put more cardboard out there <laughs> but uh, you know 
I also think of safety hazard. So what if there's a gust of wind and some of these cutouts just fly away and, you know, they fall onto the track? I mean, not one, but I'm talking of many because that could be like a hazard for the drivers. You know, it could hamper visibility. It could get sucked into radiators, which is even far worse the case. <laughs> Imagine having, you know, a case where a driver has to retire because a fake fan flew off the circuit and into the radiator of that a driver's That sounds hilarious. And, uh, <laughs> you know what, Holy Formula man. One, I really want to make a plea. Like, please let our stands remain empty. I mean, that is our reality in 2020. We can deal with that. And I second Mithila's plea. I even third Mithila's plea. And thank you for putting it out there. I really hope these guys are listening. But uh, if you guys have any comments or suggestions on circuits wasting resources and time and money to fill up the empty stands, write to us via our Facebook page with Inside Line F1 Podcast on Facebook as well. Okay, so Kunal, we're going to move to our next topic of discussion, reserve drivers. Um, so guys, we know that, you know, in recent times, being a reserve driver, a third driver, call it as you may, it be- basically meant barely any miles in the car. Um, you know, it was a case of, you know, what if, and that what if never got triggered for a variety of reasons. All the good reasons as well. Yeah. Yes. And, but, you know, suddenly that situation seems to be changing. Because if any driver contracts the virus in 2020, uh, that reserve driver will get to step in and race because the show must go on, right? Yes. I mean, personally, it sounds a little inhuman, but uh, it's understandable. Formula One is putting sport uh, above everyone else and that's how it should be. And I'm glad it's it's the way it is. But uh, of course, having said that, we are hoping that the what-if scenarios don't get triggered ever more so, you know, in Formula One, even more so in 2020, I would say. Because uh, it, it wouldn't be fair to see a driver being sit out of a race for, you know, getting a corona infection or so on, right? But anyway, the, the moot point being that uh, you guys already know the reserve drivers for all the teams, right? But here's a few funny ones that we found, you know, when we were trying to see who the reserve drivers are, what could they be racing and so on, right? So if Sebastian Vettel does not decide to race, you know... For whatever reason. Yeah, we can just leave the reasons aside. Yeah, that's yeah. Fine. So if, okay, cool. So if Vettel doesn't race, Antonio Giovinazzi and Pascal Verlein are two of Ferrari's reserve drivers with prior Formula One car experience, right? So if they pick Giovinazzi, I wonder who's going to race for Alfa Romeo. Will it be Mick Schumacher? Will it be Pascal Verlein? Or, no, wait, they have uh, Robert Kubica. So, you know, there is a sort of a queue in there. But, Imagine Giovinazzi getting a, a promotion to Ferrari, which is in such an unexpected way. Yeah, and I was also thinking of how rusty the reserve drivers may be. Like, given that they've been out of a racing car for, like, longer. True. Uh, I mean, say, for example, Pascal Verlein. He's probably not driven an actual racing car since, what, Formula E, the last Ypres? Yeah. It was and a while ago. And to think of it, his last fastest car was, like, the Formula E car he raced, <laughs> which we know is not as fast. So yeah, no offense, but just yeah. putting you know a fact out there. So fair bits and pieces mm-hmm. of considerations for teams to make and Formula One to make, I would say. And uh, here's another scenario: so Mercedes and McLaren share the same reserve driver pool. That's Esteban Gutierrez for whoever remembers him, and for Stoffel Van Doon for everyone who remembers him. And uh, thankfully, both teams can have one in case a situation arises. Ah, but it gets more complicated, Kunal, because Racing Point also shares the same two reserve drivers. And I really hope that all three teams don't need to call upon the reserves. 
Because that would get pretty complicated. Though I'm guessing Lawrence Troll must be like the least stressed out of this whole sharing situation because, you know, power of money. <laughs> that usually works. works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I also wonder just how many drivers will be traveling to these races in 2020 because, you know, some of them drive Formula 2, so it's easier for them. They're always there, uh, you know, at the support races. But what about those drivers who are not Formula 2 drivers? So, you know, a few names come to my mind. Sebastian Buemi, uh, Marcus Ericsson, Pascal Verlein, as we spoke about, right? So I'm interested to see just how many drivers will end up traveling to the races in 2020. I mean, you know, having standby replacements would be crucial more than ever before. Well said. And remember, guys, Williams have four reserve drivers, but none of them have prior Formula 1 experience. So, you know, I'm sure the team's going to think four times literally before putting any of the Williams reserve drivers into a Formula 1 car. True, and likewise actually for Renault and Haas because uh, their reserve drivers, they've all tested, but they've never raced in Formula 1 before. So also things to think about. But, you know, anyway, Kunal, when racing resumes, I think I'm just going to count how many reserve drivers actually land up traveling to the races. Good idea. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Because I think it would give us an indication of how paranoid Formula One is or isn't about drivers actually getting coronavirus. That's true. But yeah, frankly, guys, jokes aside, like we've said before, We hope that no one contracts the virus and we end up racing safely for like ever. Yeah, you're reminding me of Lando Norris, Kunal. (laughs) The for like, like forever message. Like ever, ever. (laughs) If I ever meet Lando Norris, I'm going to ask him one simple straight question. Who actually paid for your private Formula 3 test last week? Was it McLaren? Was it Carlin? Or did you just pay for it yourself? <laughs> Kunal, you're like that investigator who like never gives up. Yeah. Like ever. <laughs> but that, that's what I do. You know, it's like people react saying, oh, wow, see, Lando Norris has gone and tested a Formula 3 car. And I'm, I'm the types who react to say, great, he's tested a car. But what's the business model behind this? Or what's, what's the cost model behind this? Because, you know, I understand the business of motorsport. I'm really passionate about it. Uh, so I, I don't get swayed behind all these news. I try and catch what are the undercurrents around them, you know. Yeah, so honestly. tell us who do you think paid for uh, Norris's test. Okay, so uh, I, my deduction is that McLaren has definitely not paid for the test. So it's probably Lando Norris himself or Carlin did him a favor and offered him a free test. Yeah. That could be one of those That's scenes. possible. And I'm sure Carlin then also used this time to kind of get back into the groove of things. But then yep. I wonder why Lando are not one of the regular drivers, you know, for the 2020 FG season. Yes. Somebody's got to keep asking these questions. And I'm glad that that somebody is us on it's the Inside us. Line F1 podcast. But, uh, you know, Lando Norris is, of course, testing a Formula 3 car because McLaren, unfortunately, aren't able to test or a private, you know, have a private test in their Formula 1 cars because Renault aren't giving them an engine to go testing, right? Mm-hmm. For those who are new to, new to this story, you know, McLaren are moving to Mercedes uh, in 2021. So Renault have refused to give them a, an engine to conduct private test in 2020. Yeah. I mean, Kunal, I know it sounds petty, but I'm also thinking that since McLaren and Renault will be locked into this showdown battle for fourth place, it's kind of understandable. Well, yes, competitive reasons aside, you know, my reasons to want teams to test, uh, you know, especially these private tests, is purely on safety grounds, right? It's been like six odd months since anyone, you know, who works inside or on a Formula One car actually 
saw Formula One car in action. So it's purely for that, right? But okay, let's move on to discussing who's actually tested what during this lockdown period because I know that Charles Leclerc, Kevin Magnussen and Pierre Gasly have driven a go-kart. Charles Leclerc might be the lucky one who actually gets to test his Ferrari as well uh, because there's news that Ferrari will hold a private test one of these weeks, apparently. They've not said when though, right? Yeah. And um, also Albon, he's driven a single-seater car and Russell is trying to get into one. Yes, I'm also trying to get into a single-seater car in case any one of you are <laughs> aware of a, a, you know, a chassis and a power unit and some tyres being available elsewhere. But on, on a more serious note, uh, I'm going to uh, speak about Lance Stroll's uh, private test, which is going to last 18 laps at Silverstone next week. And if he drives those 18 laps at full pace, it's going to be like less than 30 minutes in his racing point car. You know, and to me, it just sounds like, you know, how we would land up at a circuit, pay money for, you know, hiring a racing car for 30 minutes. It just sounds like that. And, you know, it's it's a filming day test. Let's yeah. just end it at that. You're just making this filming day test sound so minuscule. I mean, I'm sure the team, they're treating it as like a full-blown test and they're trying to extract... Whatever they can from it. They better do because that's what a lot of teams do with filming their tests. And, you know, a lot of other midfield teams have finished their two days of filming, you know, just before, you know, uh, Australia got cancelled or just after the original preseason tests in Barcelona, right? So, Racing Point are just lucky that they didn't use both their days already into the season, right? Okay, so Kuna, we're going to move to our final topic for this episode and that is the 2026 Formula 1 season, which sounds so ridiculously far away right now. But 2026 is when new engine regulations might come into effect. And what they may be, no one knows. No one knows, but uh, Formula 1 has loosely floated the idea of a hybrid two-stroke engine formula. Uh, You know, as crazy as it may sound, we've done an episode on this some three or months ago you guys are happy to you know go tune into it and understand what that was all about yeah and as i understand formula one wants to use these 2026 regulations to attract new power unit manufacturers to the sport so we'll watch out for that yes and renault cyril abite bowl has already been saying that hey 2026 is formula one's new next big playground or something to that effect and i really hope that this is not what abite bowl has sold uh you know, to Renault's board, to their fans and to their set of drivers that are going to come over the seasons because Renault's just made a lot of commitments of late and probably kept up to none. None, exactly. Um, I also believe that more power unit manufacturers will make Formula One more competitive. Um, You know, we've had private teams and private engine manufacturers like teaming up in the past with good success. Yes, I would love to see more power unit manufacturers also for political reasons, you know. Right now we've seen how Ferrari and Mercedes are controlling the competitive quotient of the grid, you know, as we've spoken about several times before. But uh, for those of you wondering if 2026 is very far, it actually isn't in Formula 1 terms or in Formula 1's timelines because they'll have to first agree on a formula, they'll have to table the formula for that, right? And then once it is voted in and, you know, the WMSC approves it, teams might start developing that new formula as early as 2023. So that's literally just a few years away from now. And uh, for me, I just hope that, you know, the 2026 engine regulations, whatever they might be, 
they aren't as uh, complex and expensive as the current hybrid turbo V6 formula because you know we've seen at least uh, three times in this uh, you know seven years of the hybrid turbo era that teams have run out of money and one of the reasons has been like a 3x increase in the price of these power units yeah by the way that reminds me kunal guess who is helping williams hunt for a new investor it's good old bernie <laughs> you can never take him out you can take bernie out of formula 1 but you can't take formula 1 out of bernie or yeah. in his case it's the reverse i think he's just always there but i think it's a very nice gesture you know for his old friend and i hope the team survives yes the only question on my mind though is will bernie eccleston keep a finders commission if he gets an investor for williams right because in formula 1 things seldom happen without money being involved especially when bernie's involved anyway kunal on that note i think we should end this episode it's been a great episode it's been a lot of fun guys we'll be back next week uh, stay tuned for the inside line formula 1 podcast yes adios adios <laughs>